This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi folks, I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to Every Step along the way and enjoy every second of it. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast with myself, Mike Stockley, and as always, Daniel Buxton. The following podcast is what we recorded on Saturday evening with you, the supporters. A lot of you wanted to get a lot off your chest following our 2-1 defeat against Cardiff. A number of topics came up, obviously the uh, Stephen Schumacher situation and a youth situation very loosely. A lot of you think you should stay, a lot of you think you should go. We obviously talked about John Coates, the Ricky Martin situation the recruitment as a whole, and obviously, you know, what is in store for the rest of this season, of course. Now, this won't obviously replace the normal podcast that comes out every Friday. We will do a shorter version of the Cardiff review for, uh, well, for the simple fact that I don't think everyone wants to keep reliving this. So we'll do a normal pod next Friday, as always. Shorter review of, of Cardiff, and obviously, we've got Middlesbrough on Saturday. So we really need to try and find a way of getting something. The games are ticking by. And unfortunately, we've now entered the relegation zone. So I'm not sure if enjoy is the right word, but we hope you do hopefully try and find a way to enjoy this podcast. And as always, we'll be with you next Friday. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just uh, start cracking straight up and down. Welcome, mate. Good to see you again. Hope you're doing all right. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll let you kick off. Where where are you at the minute? <laughs> yeah, evening, gents. I'm just uh, pouring myself a large whiskey at the minute. Uh, bloody hell. Yeah, I, I think what I was going to say earlier was um, I, I think Schumacher's been get, getting a little bit of a bit of not not to criticise anyone, but I think he's getting a little bit of an easy ride uh, from like the local media and that at the minute for considering the form um, and quite frankly, it's his tactics that have done us today, uh, and it did us the other day as well. I mean, he's you know making six eight changes every game. Um, I mean, he got Hoover to invert and cut in the other day. He got caught out. We go behind, end up, can't see the game out. He's done the same again with Chamadu today. He's cut inside. He's got caught out. I mean, who, who are we going to have next? It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen to Gooch next. And then what is he going to bring Lloris in? He's going to cut inside. He's going to get caught out. I mean, at, at some point, we've got to question the manager's tactics. Um, I was going to say, so is, there, is that where it's... 
I mean, I suppose I'm not going to say that you're saying it's all about the manager. Right? I, I imagine there's a large element of this that you've got to pull the players very firmly into question. But do, do you think that Shuey's more than anything else, he's, he's not given us a fine chance in the way that he's setting up? Is that is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, ba- yeah, basically. I mean, so he's asking a fullback who's not played like this all season to cut inside and invert. We're leaving bags of space for opposition fullbacks and wingers to bomb on, and we're not getting. I mean, this defence has been changed that many times. Uh, we're not having a steady centre back partnership. We're not having steady fullbacks. We're changing from a back five to a back four to a back five to a back four. I mean, you get your you get your fullbacks cover in if you're not having a, your your centre back. I mean, it's going to happen either side. I mean. Thompson's out now, so whoever comes in on that left side, you know, Rose or whoever who's going to be the left-handed centre-back, they're going to get caught out as well when someone goes forward and cuts into midfield as well. It's going to keep up, if he keeps playing like this, we're going to keep getting shafted, like there ain't going to be, there's no two ways about it. Well, like you say, I think we've got a situation at the minute where we've got, obviously, McNally's out for what, two, three more weeks, something like that. Um and that's if he even is then going to be fit enough to come straight back in, or maybe it's a necessity where he's going to have to be forced to come straight back in as soon as he can physically walk. But yeah, Thompson's out. So what do you do there? Do you go Gooch down the left? He's, he's, he's probably going to go with Gooch, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's probably going to be... I mean, the thing is, does he does he put Gooch there? Or do, I mean, the thing is, Hoover's had one game where he's asked him to invert it. He's been caught out. We've conceded from it. Then he's hooked him for the next game. He's brought Chamadou in. Chamadou's done the exact same thing. He's hooked him at half time. Like, I mean, who's going to be playing right back as well? You know, we've got left left back options suspended for two games, and right back, he he's he's just hooked both of them. So I mean, like, we're screwed, aren't we? Like, what's he going to do? Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from, and I think. You know, we've, we've mentioned a few times in, on various channels, not just us, but I think other people have mentioned, you know, you, you briefly touched on it around that, like the six changes and stuff like that. I'm a firm believer, and it's not always the case, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, to, for a team to be successful, you need a rather settled team. Yes, okay, every now and then, the odd player here or there. I think this whole, you know, shoey five, six substitutions every single week. And I know that Dan will turn around and go, well, that's what we were warned about by the Plymouth fans that that's what he does. But for me, that's tactical naivety a little bit. That That's that, that's not what I see as being a successful it's, way. It's suicidal. It's simple as that. It's suicidal. We're not, we're not giving ourselves a fighting chance. No, no, we're absolutely not. Cool. We'll come back to you in, in two seconds, yeah, mate. No worries, mate. I know that Dave and Archie are looking to go. I mean, uh, Archie, over to you then. Hi, guys. So, I mean, I'm about 10, 15 minutes back from Cardiff, to be honest. But I think today it just sums up how our season's gone. I mean, we we can point things at managers and everyone else, but there's just no structure in the club whatsoever. I mean, we can point things at making six or seven changes a game. But no matter who he starts, it just doesn't seem like it's working whatsoever. And you just get to a point where you think, right, okay, well, you've got to look at how they've recruited in the summer. Who's at blame for that? Who employed Ricky Martin? Who who actually decided to sign these certain players? I mean, I know, I know it's a bit naive saying, what, where are we now? February, March. Some of these players have come abroad, I understand that. But 
I, ju- I just think there's no structure whatsoever. I think we've just gone big and think, right, okay, we've signed British for years and years. We try to go abroad and, and now it's not working. Heads have turned. We're in the position we are and it, it's just really not working whatsoever. Do you think we needed more of a, a blend of the, the British and the foreign, a little bit of a, a blend between the two rather than... I, I, one I, I think so, mainly because, I mean, before Ricky Martin, we, we were very safe in terms of we were just scouting nationally. We, we were signing players from different clubs in the league and the, just in, in the English league, we, we were being very safe in that aspect. And then we were saying, right, OK, we, we could try try abroad, try for some of them players. And then, I mean... Look for Ryan. My example. I mean, he, he got dropped from the under twenty ones for disciplinary issues. I mean, when when certain scouts go out for that, they don't they don't go look at the personality. They go look at the traits. So I suppose in a sense where we go and scout nationally, where you can kind of get a grasp of how the personality is in the player. Whereas when we went and scouted Ryan, my when he's playing it wherever he was the other season, you're not going to learn that personality straight away. You're just going to learn the talent. And then it comes to a point now where he's playing under-21s for disciplinary issues and it just sets a negative aspect into the club. And and to be honest, he's not really getting us anywhere, is it? I mean, I guess we'll come back to the, the kind of structure and stuff in a minute. I just You said, obviously, you've just come back from Cardiff. Um, where did it go wrong for you today? I mean, obviously, going 2-0 down doesn't help, right? But I mean, generally, where did it go wrong today for you? I, I mean, the first goal, it was a set piece. It was really scrappy. And as Schumacher mentioned something that he says in the the press match conference or wherever, before the game, he said these can be quite good off set pieces. But to be honest, it wasn't even that good of a set piece. It was just really poor defending. I mean, you could point things at anyone, but it wouldn't make a difference. I mean, then how that's gone in, it shouldn't have gone in. It it was just, and then I think where we lack experience as well, we go one nil down. We've got this young prospect, exciting talent. We go one nil down, and then the the heads kind of drop. And I suppose it's not really. I suppose it's kind of different to them to the players like Berger and Juno that have come from abroad. They go one 0 down. The heads kind of drop, disappointed. But then, like you look at last season when we had the likes of, I know it sounds really daft, but Jaggy Alker and Fox, where they kept the head up and they're like, right, okay, this is English football. This is how it goes. We we just have to keep ahead and we have to try and battle for these things. And I think we kind of lack that kind of experience. But I, I suppose we haven't really got a lot to dig at, have we? Really, this season in terms of experience or any kind of form of that. No, no, I, I guess not. And I, I guess one, one stat I wanted to throw out there, you mentioned about conceding the first goal. I mean, Potolytics, um posted something literally just before uh, we came on, so I'm hoping I'm not getting this wrong. But I think he said 18 games this season conceding the first goal uh, before today. Drawn two, lost 15, just the one win. 12 scored, 39 conceded. It's yeah. a pretty brutal stat, that, really. I mean, we always talk in this league about that first goal being really important. But I think that's that's the problem, I think, with with this team. You know, we've spoken about battlers before and mentalities. I think, you know, um, Dicko, uh, obviously Carl Dickinson commented today saying that, you know, the, about people's mentality and, you know, this isn't down on Schumacher, this is down on players with them. I, th- I think he was trying to get their mentality and their, their ability and willingness to, to fight and run, I think, is what he's trying to get at. A stat like that just says everything to me, <laughs> to be honest. I, I, I agree, Mike. I, Mike, I, th- I think 
the difference is we talk about this mentality of what we had years ago with the Dickos and the Fullers and all that sort, but then we move in the one and way of football and we've got likes of Schumacher as a coach, like a young prospect, upcoming coach. And we've got these young players like Berger, Chamadou, Juno, who want to kind of play the positive, more modern football. And then when when we kind of do go one or down, we kind of expect, right, OK, well, why aren't they picking the heads up or why aren't we actually, you know, giving it a bit of a go? It, it, it's a bliss because... You look back and you think, right, okay, they should have given it a go. But then we look when we employed Schumacher and we were all excited. Like, yeah, young, you know, young coach attacking football. But then, like like I mentioned before, we we, we just, I don't know, it's it's just a, it's a total car crash, isn't it, to be honest? Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. I'll come back to you um, in a second. I think uh, Straight Up and Down's got his hand up. Yeah, you're right. I just wanted to pick up a little bit on like this sort of like the mentality thing that is kind of in the in the scouting that's sort of being talked about at the minute. I think a lot of people have got like a bit of a rosy view of like a rose tinted view of what what it was like under Pulis and what have you. I mean, there were fights going on behind the scenes all the time. Like we had Fuller was tossing it off. We had BT having a fight. We had Buddy. Tunchai, I mean, he fell out with Hopkins. Like, we we had a, a decent core that we would sort of bang each other's heads together and sort of pull in the right direction. But it, it wasn't like, you know, there was always drama kicking off as well. Uh, I, I mean, the thing is, what ideally, what you'd want a coach to do with this setup that we've got at the minute, we've got senior pros. We've got, you know, Baker, Loren, both been captain. Pearson has been a captain. Uh, Dan Johnson at Preston. I mean, say what you like about how he's been for us, but you know the, these are players. Kieran Clark and Stevens. We did have Dwight Gale. Um, you know, Berger's been a big personality since he's come in. You know, you 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 have these as your core, and then you know if you do have players like Vidigal and Mai, you were being a bit stroppy or doing whatever you. You, you kind of just have to go on regardless. You have to power through with it. Like there's, I think a lot's being made about saying, oh, these players are soft, this, that and the other. I, I don't think it's massively different to any other squad makeup, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I think it's on, to be honest, I think it's on the coach to get the best out of what we've got. I mean, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, it's very early days, but... Are you encouraged by what you've seen from from Schumacher? Whether that's in interviews, whether that's in the way he wants to play, maybe he hasn't got the players to play in exactly how he wants to. But are you encouraged in the way that he actually wants to set up as as a coach? Uh, to be honest, no. Uh, I mean, there 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 are elements. I mean, obviously, sort of interchange like interplay like between the sort of when when he when he first came in and we were playing with like. Berger is like a deep line playmaker and then two sort of eight tens with like, you know, whether that was uh, Juno and Kundal or, you know, what, however else he was playing it, you know, we, 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 you could see like sort of green shoots, like you could see elements, but very, very quickly, it's, it's been obvious just how easy we are to beat because when you, when you've got like, especially when, I mean, in the Rotherham game, 
that was like a big sign of what, what to expect from the fullbacks, like where, you know, Thompson was all over the pitch. I thought he did very well. But, I mean, if the, that was a better side than Rotherham, we'd have had our horses handed to us. Like, we were wide open in uh, fullback positions. I, I just think we, we un, under Schumacher, it's just really, really obvious for how to beat us. If you if you're in a way, um, if you're you know an opposition manager coming to Stoke now, it's it's just clear. You just get down the sides like it's a piece of piss. Like you know, you get your second balls, you know, defence can't handle it. It's it's just we're we're so easy to beat. Yeah, and I think the problem is, like we've said, I mean, <laughs> we, we we all know, right? All sitting here, and we we've said it a number of times. We need going into the January window. The place we needed to strengthen was at centre-back and left-back. That was as clear as day. But they decided to go and get a new winger who, let's face it, if we go down, ain't going to be here anyway. So I, I think that was a massive miscalculation. How we could let that situation occur, I don't know. Yes, well, well, that's on, well, well, that's on that's on Martin and that's on Schumacher. It's them two who were responsible for prioritising what we needed for the side. It's them two who ultimately said, we're happy with Jordan Thompson at left-back. We're going to go for a winger and we're going to go for a forward. Uh, and they, they even tried to make Kundal a permanent deal, and that you know that that would have cost us seven million pounds to have. You know, I think most people now are thinking he's not all that. Yeah, and I think from what we've seen, I think it'd be hard to disagree at the minute. Uh, but yeah, I'll come back to you in a sec, mate. Uh, Dave, you've had your hand up. Go for it. Hi, lads. Hope you're both well. Uh, well, I hope you're all well. Um, yeah, it's a bit bit of a bit of a crazy one at the minute. Um, I think it's to be expected that people are already starting to question Schumacher. I, I, I did put a tweet out earlier. I feel like he's a manager with a lot of potential to, to go on and do great things, but I feel like he's been given the responsibility of a, of a club our size a little bit too early, and I feel like it's starting to come back and bite us on the backside now. Um, I mean, to speak on what you've just just said to, to straight up. I think I am encouraged by quite a few elements of, of what he's trying to do with the side, but at the minute it seems like it's a bit akin to what Bielsa was doing with Leeds, the the whole mentality of it's all right if we can see goals as long as we're we're scoring outscoring the opponent and we're creating chances but We've just got nobody in the side that can seem to stick the ball away, and it's really starting to to bite us on the backside now. What would you do going forward, Dave, in terms of obviously, you know, formations? We know what Shuey wants to do, but again, I think you're right. I think if we haven't got the players to play in in his way, we need to find a way that works for these players to get us through. Now, uh, again, I was listening to Rob's um, pod earlier uh, that he was doing his spaces and. Um, he kind of know him and Ange and, and Sahel were talking about do we need to go a little bit more defensive instead of this four three three? Do you think that we need to be setting up in a way where it's about not losing and trying to sneak one at the other end rather than just going all out attack and trying to outscore a team that quite frankly we've not outscored anyone this year really. So do you think that's probably a better way of going about it and then should we play his way next season? Uh I would say yeah, but the the big issue that we've got is even under Alex Neal, we we'd sort of set up defensively and just go for a sort of safe 
4-4-2 or a 4-3-3 and sort of put a bit more emphasis on sort of making sure that the defence is reinforced. But the, the same issues arisen every time. It, it just seems to be one... It doesn't even have to be a good pass. It, it, it's just got to be any sort of pass between the two centre-halves and people are just cutting us open. And I don't know how much more emphasis you can put on defence without sort of going to a, a Chelsea at Barcelona in the Champions League and just playing with eight at the back, one in midfield and one up top. And it, it is it is worrying that we've got defenders at the club that we know have got decent individual uh a decent individual attribute that they can bring to the table, but nobody can seem to, nobody could seem to defend their honour, let alone a goal, and that's the big worry. And and like you say, we we had we had the January transfer window that we knew that we needed to to reinforce the defence, and you know we we've spaffed more more money up the wall on on attacking players, and it's. Again, it's just coming back to bite us on the backside. And a lot of people have, have been asking the same question now. Can can you really see us going down? Um, three weeks ago, I'd have maybe have said, no, there's there's worse teams around us. I mean, you look at you look at QPR. QPR have gone and, and nicked a win against Rotherham today. That's the one that's dragged us into the mire. But when you've even got clubs like Rotherham that are going away from home and actually scoring goals and looking like they can get a result, we don't seem to look like we're interested until we go two goals down. That seems to be the recurring theme now. We'll go two goals down and that's when the players really start looking like, right, we need to actually put a shift in here now. But... I, I, I don't. I, I just don't know what's going on. It, it, it's it's borderline depressing now that we can go out, we can see a team at two o'clock, and think we could actually get something from this. And first ten minutes of the game, we're finding ourselves a goal down by half an hour. Sometimes it's two, and it's it's a very very concerning time now because I can't see any way of setting the team up to to actually get a point out of games now, let alone three. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, Dan, I'll, I'll bring you in at this point. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there, Archie. Um, Dan, I'm going to bring you in and then I'll come back to straight up. Uh, what, Archie's, what, Archie's on to Mario Land, I think. <laughs> what, what did you make of it? Not, not, the, not the noise, the uh, the game. It sort of, it gets to the point where it's a bit rinse and repeat, isn't it? <laughs> it's... Um, we, Again, the biggest thing for me is we've conceded the first goal again, yet again. Like, I was just looking there and I felt like, you know, it's been quite, you know, we've done it quite often lately. The last, I think, since Ipswich on New Year's Day, uh, all the league games we've had, we've won two and we've lost six. And in all eight games, whoever scored the first goal has won. So... And I mean, but the thing is, when we concede a first goal, we generally go on and concede a second as well, especially away from home in that run. So I don't know what. <laughs> Did they, if they just knowing that, no, we we're not a team that's scoring enough goals to go out and concede the first one, are we? 
it's not as if we're a team who can, you know, like Ipswich or someone who can knock in two, three, four goals in, in about half an hour <laughs> if it all just clicks. We What we need to do is make sure that we, we go out there switched on from the first minute and we don't, you know, we don't concede anything sloppy. You know, we defend well and, and then, you know, take our chance when it comes because obviously there's something in this team very, very different side when they're in front to when they're behind the mentality and the belief and, and how, how they're approaching the game and probably how the how the opposition are, are, are treated us as well. You know, it's been for a long time the opposition know that once once they're in front against Stoke, that we are pretty devoid of any sort of imagination and ideas and, and how to break teams down. So we know you know, how often have we lost one nil at home in the last two years? It's well into double figures, isn't it? It's because teams know they get the one goal and they don't need a second. They can just sit back because we'll just pass the ball around uh, a bit sort of, you know, oh, um, tell you what, uh, you have it. I'll go sideways, you do something with it. And then they'll go, um, uh, actually, I can't do anything. Uh, I'll give it to him, see if he can do anything with it. And that just, that's literally just what we do. Um, I, I do think that, that situation actually has improved. I'll be honest, under Schumacher. I think it's a lot better than he was under, under Alex Neal in that respect. He would literally just pass the ball around till the 90th minute, wondering what to do. Um, where they do seem to be a bit more direct in trying to uh, you know create stuff now. The end result is still the same, isn't it? Who scores first? I was on the end. Do you know what? Since we know Bristol City, which you can sort of put that, it's a bit of an anomaly, isn't it? As in, we were 2 0 down, we'll come back and 1 3 2. First time in, what was it, 25 years or something? I remember it being said at the time. Um, so that result, if since then, and that was in October, since then, do you know how many points we've got when we've conceded the first goal in a game? One. Watford <laughs> away in December. Where we drew one all after conceding, and we and we hit back pretty quickly, didn't we? In that game, Ryan Mai equalised. Was it Livermore scored off a corner, and Ryan Mai uh, equalised into about. But it was only about ten minutes later, I think. Joe, you know, that that sort of like I say hit back pretty quick there. It just seems to me that we've not switched on at the beginning of the games, and we're giving ourselves too much of a mountain, too much of a mountain to climb. We can't keep doing it because what we literally we say we can't keep doing it. We can't do it. That's it's just it's incapable of doing it. So they need to make sure it doesn't happen. And we absolutely cannot seem to score a proper goal from open play. I mean, again today, like the free kick that's come in. I mean, John Ho, great. I'm glad he's got his goal. But Mio, you would have scored that. Like it, you, you can't miss from there, right? Um, so I know you, you've got to take the chances that come your way. I get that, but. We just seem to not be able to score. And like you said, we're not going to outscore anybody. doesn't matter what you do. But at least if you keep it tight at the back, you've got a chance. You know, if you get that one free kick, now, for example, Baker a few weeks ago, you know, the, the one the one free kick, you know, um, it's, it, never forget, we win the game. You know, we weren't great. They weren't, you know, they weren't great either. But we got the free kick and we got the goal. So... <laughs> We we just yeah we, we're not we're not great down but I'll come back to you out of the past uh, podcast once once come in mate um evening how are you I'm all right how are you doing um probably the same as you actually <laughs> uh, yeah not not great mate not great but uh, yeah I mean did did you manage to go to the game or did you have to watch from afar or I had to watch from afar it's I I can't I can't describe how bad. We are at the moment. I mean, I remember when I was a young kid and obviously it was like Chris Kamara and all those days, but 
This is bad. I mean, that defence, that's got to be the worst I've seen for so yeah. many years down Stoke. I've got to be honest. I mean, one minute, I mean, I know you're a big fan of Iverson, but he never talks, does he? And whenever he comes like, early on, he, just the way we flop away and don't allow any sort of... Like, I mean, when he makes the substitutions, which drives me mad, we, the, the impetus does go up, but we just pass the side to side nicer and quicker, thinking, oh, yeah, we've got pressure on. We, I mean, we could play till now and we, it's, we'd still lose. Yeah, I'm not quite sure to say a massive fan of Iverson. I think he was better than Bonham. I still think he is, but I must admit, since he's come in, I mean, I saw him for Leicester and I thought, wow, you know, you, you great shot stopper, commanding. And I don't really think I've seen an awful lot of that, actually, since he's come in. He's, he's surprised me at how mediocre he's been. And as I said, there's been a couple of goals now that you can look at him and go, you've got to do better there. And I wonder if we had, you know, Travers. I wonder if he, that had happened. It stayed. I wonder if we're in this situation now. I very much doubt it. I, I don't think either of them are a patch on, on Travers, are they? No offence no, to Travers Jack or not. Daniel, but yeah, I think the part like I say, Travers is sort of like years ahead, isn't he? But that comes down to the club not signing him permanently, doesn't he, at the end of the day? I mean, they could have got him in the summer, but we decided... I, I don't know what, why, for some reason, for what... Coming, got me coming on 10 years, we just haven't spent any money on the back line. I think the, I could, the only person I can remember that we bought for money was Danny Bat. And to be honest, I'd have him back in the team at the moment. Whenever we seem to sign players, we seem to go backwards rather than forwards, don't we? We seem to bring in a worse player than we had before. And we've been doing it for five, six years. And you look at that defence, Ben Wilmot hasn't come back good since his injury, which can happen. It's happened many a time with players. I mean, Lyndon Gooch, I don't know where playing. I think he has a good performance at left back, then you put him at right back, and then he looks okay, and then he fades out. And I, the, the thing is, I can only see relegation at this time with these performances. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've had enough of Schumacher. I've, I've, I think he's full of excuses, but nothing changes. He comes out and says the right thing. But then it's like today. He said there was a great performance there. I'm, I'm, I'm like, what are you on about? I'm sorry. You, you've, he's got to take a look at himself and, and build a team that can just goof it up to Larice because he's good in the air. Use him as a knockoff man and try and get crosses in and try and create something. So this, this passing about, it's killing us. Because one bad pass, they're away. I think Dan said the same thing about Larice, you know, using using him. The amount of of headers he won earlier on the season was ridiculous. We actually had nobody up front to take advantage of them. Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, I think Ennis's pace could be a good combination with with Larice's sort of coming in off that right hand side. Do, do you not do you not think though, Ian, that maybe with the manager that obviously he he's probably looking at that dressing room and see them all, you know, staring at the floor and. And he can see how maybe down and short of confidence they are. That he he, he could come out and you know rip them to shreds or tell them how poor you know and say how poor they were. And do you think that would maybe just add to the pressure for them? It would, it would just make the situation even worse. He's he's got to try and pick them up. Maybe the the issue I've seen with Schumacher is is this punishing people for lacklustre this that and the other. He's he's kicked May out. 
He's kicked Vidigal out. He's kicked Aksabanovic out. And he probably has a good point. But I think he shot himself in the foot because he needs him. We need Vidigal. Like, to be honest, when he first came in and we were doing okay, I mean, everyone jumped over the bandwagon like it was a manager bounce and we were doing brilliantly. But Vidigal was doing all right on the right. And he was putting good balls in and he was he was playing better. And then he's obviously upset me. And I couldn't understand why he's upset me because he's got the ability, but he just hasn't got the attitude, has he? He just doesn't put it down. So the problem is for me with Schumacher, he's, he's gone in trying to be this tough guy. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. But he's lost four players because of it. He's lost Campbell, who, let's be honest, is our best finisher. He probably won't start now. Haksabanovic... He's got great ability with the ball, but when he gets in those clinical points, he always makes the wrong decision. Vidigal, we all know, was hot and cold. Had a great start and we thought we'd sign Palais and he ended up being um, Ian Bogey. But the, the the issue we have with with Schumacher now is he hasn't got the experience for this. and Because we're in a worse position than before. Because let's be honest, we let Michael O'Neill go. And the club have made bad decisions of who they brought in. We've got rid of them with one now, and Ricky Martin. And Dublin's on the way by the looks of it and what I'm hearing. But I don't even want to say this because it, it, it annoys myself, but Steve Bruce is still available, isn't he? Whoa, whoa, put, put the pine glass down. You've had enough. You've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the experience, isn't it? I've been saying it for a while and I know I don't want to say it because I can't stand the man. But I'd love I'd love to sing the Big Ed song to him. But <laughs> <laughs> the thing I'll say with it is that I know it sounds ridiculous, but I can't see things changing under him because he's he, starting to get like Nathan Jones where there's six changes here, five changes here. But nothing's changing. We're still getting battered. And the, the, the thing is, he comes out and goes, oh, we played well. And I'm thinking, I swear he's watched crew or something because he's not watched the game I've watched. I'll just, just touch on one more thing. We've got um, three people just waiting. So we'll just go to them. To, um, but one more thing before we, before we move on here. Regarding like the my situation and that, what, one thing that gets me, though, is obviously for the last, say, seven or eight years, we've been on a downward spiral, haven't we? And yeah. and you look at the players that have come into here and taken the pee out of this football club, and people have complained that they've been able to come in and take the pee. You think it really started with Mbula. You've got Indai, you've had Atibo, Tomins can go into that category. Um, you had Kevin Vimmer. Oh, I don't know. Sido Berahino. And that probably needed stronger management to sort them issues out. And we complained that nobody did, but then when the manager is doing it now, are we complaining that we're losing the players? It's like, a, can he not win either way? Do you know I mean, if he lets them, if he doesn't do anything about it, and that spreads through the squad, and it comes to a situation like I was in 2018, where a lot of people are now, you know, Charlie Adam, Peter Crouch have all come out, haven't they, recently and said, oh yeah, it was a complete, you know, shit show if you like, and but nobody did anything about it. That's only going to end one way as well, isn't it? It's 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 a delicate balance. He's like Joey. You know, he's doing what we've asked other people to do in the same situation. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Uh, I really do. Uh, Ian, just chucking yourself off on, on me for us, mate. Sorry, we've got literally like three people requesting, and yeah, three people. Yeah. We'll come back in a second, mate. If you want to stick around. Um, 
I think the order in which it was, I think Dave may you may have been next. Sorry, um, straight up, but we'll promise I'll come back to you in a sec. Uh, Dave, go on. Yeah, uh, ju- just to touch on that, um, hearing Steve Bruce, hearing Steve Bruce's name, I nearly spat my my beer out. Um, it's 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 a bit of a bit of a wild card thing to say. But I, I do sort of get the the last resort thing and the experience. But I, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. The situation that we're in now. Um, but to to touch on what he said about Schumacher, you know, booting these players out of the dressing room. If if I was a player at Stoke, you know, like a professional like Ben Pearson, who wants to get in every day, do what he needs to do in training. You know, if he if he stays after after the sessions are over, I don't know. But you know that Ben Pearson's going to be one of the first people in the in the changing room in the morning. If I if I was in his position and I saw players turning up late or you know cutting off early, you'd be you'd be fuming with it. And I'm I'm glad that we've got a manager who's going to come in and he doesn't want people to be passengers. With the with the team, and like we said, we've had it for we've had it for too long now. We we had Imbula and Atibo, you know, the the main ones that that stick out, and in and Indi. We we've we've had players come to Stoke and take the mick out of us for too long now, and the fact that we've got someone who wants to put a bit of authority on the team is what we've needed, but the. I think the big failing that Schumacher's got or the, the big shortcoming that he's got is he's got no experience. So there's probably a fair few players in that dressing room that when they hear him say these kind of things, they're just sort of smirking to themselves and saying, we haven't got a clue, mate, because you haven't been doing it long enough. And if, if, we, if we got a, a really experienced manager who was prepared to put his foot down, we might have had a completely different different turn of events with it. But... I can't see that changing now. I, I can't. I can't see us getting rid of Schumacher before the end of the season. I think we're we're, we're in the the squeaky bum time section now, and and that's that's a big understatement. And I don't think there's many managers that are going to look at us as a prospect and want to come here and try and save us because if we get somebody who's got a decent reputation again, they come in and we get relegated. They're they're not going to be touched with a barge pole by any other team after that. And the the safest option now is to stick with Schumacher, and and just hope and pray that we can get some sort of formula together before the end of the season. I mean, what self-respecting manager will come to Stoke if we keep stacking managers after a handful of games over and over again? Like they're not. That's not an attractive club to join, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Watford have done it for years, and it, again, very rarely worked out well. You you look at you look at us. When was Tony Pulis appointed manager of us the second time? Was it two thousand and six? Yeah, yeah, two thousand and six. So be- between two thousand and six and two thousand and sixteen, we had two managers. And preceding that, we've how many have we had since we come down? Now I've lost track. Is it five, six? Well, if you count from when Hughes left, there's Hughes. We had six months of um, Paul Lambert. Yeah, six months of Gary Rowett, twelve months of Nathan Jones. <laughs> yeah, two, two and a, two and a half years of Michael O'Neill. 
Yeah, we, we, we've turned we've turned into another Watford, and mm. you know it's it's something that we we've not we've not been accustomed to because we've never seen the the need to sack managers. Obviously, we let go of Pulis because we got to the point where we were established and we were we were a Premier League team that could get results, but we knew that there was a we needed a change in the tide and we need we needed a more attractive play style and. We got rid of Hughes because the results weren't good. And then Lambert, we could understand him leaving at the end of the season. I couldn't have seen him taking us into the championship. But it, it, it's it's almost like we're not even getting a chance to clean up the chopping block now because by the time the next manager's there, it's still bloody from the last one. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, Dave. I don't, I don't, um, I don't blame you, mate. But that's it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, now, I don't know how this is going to go, right? <laughs> uh, friend tomorrow's our life for listening and you've asked to speak. So uh, I don't know if you're laughing at us or what's going on. <laughs> evening, evening, lads. Um, no, no, genuinely isn't. I think, um, you know... Um, I'm a little bit... Uh, sorry, I'm going to caveat this with the fact that I'm out um, celebrating our win. Sorry, that, that bit will be laughing at you. Uh, celebrating our win. Um, I've had a few tequila rosés, so um, I'm sure I might even annoy a few Argyle fans with what I'm about to say, but I'm, I'm basically over Schumacher leaving, so there's no real malice in this, but I think from from my point of view, I'm looking at this and I just just sort of just really want you to get behind Schumacher now. Like, he he looks dead behind the eyes like void of any idea of like what's going wrong at your club like and I, I mean it's funny to laugh at in like from an Argyle point of view but from a, like a footballing uh, perspective like it's actually like a little bit heartbreaking like he gave us like so many good memories and he knows what he's doing and I just like I, I appreciate that like I don't follow Stoke and I don't understand your club and I don't understand your trajectory and, and things like that I appreciate that but I just I sort of just want you to back him because you just mentioned there the amount of managers you've had since you've come down and like none of them none of them have worked and like maybe it's not the management and I appreciate like Stoke fans aren't stupid enough to know that like that you know that internally you're bad right internally you've just got rid of Ricky Martin etc 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 like you know that it's like rotten through the core but like like he like look at him he looks so like lost ideas and like how to to get the best out of you lot and like and how to solve your issues and I, I actually feel for him as much as I as, as I've mentioned as much as I dislike Stoke for how the, how the, they stole him 
uh, from us, if you will. Like, I, I, I do actually want to see Steven Schumacher do well. And like, like I, I've already mentioned, he gave us so many happy memories. And I know it's easy for me to say because we won League One or whatever. But even if it takes like a, you know, a reset for you to go down, like for you to sort everything out. But I'm sure you heard that from the Premier League, right? You went down, you thought, okay, we're going to reset, we're going to go again, etc. But like, if it, if it, you know. He knows League One. You know, he was there with Berry. He took Berry up, who had, like, no money, no resources, no finances. He took us up. We won the league. And we had, like, the 14th biggest budget, etc. Like, it's gone past the point of me giving a shit about Stoke personally. But to the point where, like, I just want to see him given a bit more time. Like, he's been there. I I appreciate it's a big deal for you, right? Like, going down to League One, your Stoke City shouldn't really be in League One. But, like, just, just... From my point of view, I'm like, just get behind because he looks like, he looks knackered. Like, I've never seen somebody look so tired and and dead and like, uh, like do, do you know what I mean? So devoid of idea that like, he, like he's clearly trying. And I, I, I get there's like an element of like, oh, I'll go fan laughing or whatever. But like, you know, if you do go down, it could be a big thing for Stoke because you will be a massive fish in League One you're saying about like what manager would come you have the money you, you've cherry picked managers from, from us from Luton etc like, all managers doing well you've cherry picked them like I wouldn't worry about that at all but okay fair enough I might be blinkered I might have like a different point of view but, but that's all I'm going to say is just I'm over the fact he's left us. I mean, okay, you can, there's arguments of whether we've upgraded or whatever and we're doing, okay, whatever, sure. But, like, just, I think now your best bet is just to get behind the man you've got. Um, but that's about that's about it. That's all I really wanted to say. Um, but, like I said, I've had a few tequila rosés um, and a few shandies. So, um, <laughs> tell me if I'm chatting shit. But that would was, that was be my point of view on it, anyway. It's funny you should say about um, how you looks and everything because and I was like you see like dead behind the eyes and that and you've never seen anyone like looking like that maybe that's lost on us because I think that's exactly how the last four managers have looked like yeah like, like <laughs> I, I saw a thread somebody did a thread of your like previous managers before and after the job and like they just all look like absolutely knackered and I appreciate uh, Schumacher's got external factors like some of it, like you know his family is still in Plymouth and whatever so he's like doing a lot of miles but like there's no coincidence there that it's a lot of your you know every single manager you have seems to l- look dead like that like there's photos coming out from post Cardiff today where Schumacher looks so done like and and I appreciate you know it's it's maybe some of the anger like granted I've not listened to this space for for hours and hours but like so like even like the last I think it was Dave that just spoke then I, I just think maybe your some of your anger's reflected in the wrong way and I, I, you we said right I popped on when when you signed uh or signed or stole or whatever Schumacher that like he will make five, six changes a game and it works for us. It keeps the squad happy. Uh, maybe that's because our squad individually are sort of semi on a par or were last year. They were all of like a similar quality bar one or two. Obviously like your, your Morgan Wickers and whatever that were like far, far better. But like um, maybe he's just like not used to having um, like standout Nate. I don't know. I don't, I'm waffling a little bit, but like maybe, you know, just I just want you to see him give him time now, to be honest. Like I said, I'm over the fact you stole him. Yeah, cheers, Josh. See you later. Take care of yourself, mate. See you later.
Uh, so I've got just very briefly come back in, mate. I've got way over probably twenty five comments I need to get to as well, which people have sent in. So sorry, go for it. Yeah, no worries, mate. I'll try and I'll try and rattle through it a bit. Uh, so, I mean, to pick up a little bit on what uh, a man from Argyle Life was saying, then um, all this squad rotation and whatever it it, it shows naivety naivety in his managing and naivety in his coaching uh, I mean with a load of League One players you know that he's picking up on a low budget and bringing them through the leagues that's one thing but I mean look at some of the players that we've got at the minute and some of the coaches that they've they've worked under you know Keanu Hoover's been at Ajax and Liverpool uh, Walter Berger's been at Eric Diviziani he's been at was it Feyenoord he came through he's been at Basel in the Europa League Um I mean, some of these players have worked under some absolutely fantastic top coaches, the, the players that we've got. And they, they're going to see straight through, like, you know, with all due respect, what is a League One manager. Um, and a problem that we've got as well with our tactics, they're, they're downright dangerous at the minute. We're conceding because of his tactics. And we're... The only times we're scoring, uh, in spite of his tactics, you know, it's taking a bit of individual brilliance. Like the other day, obviously, we had uh, Ennis getting on the end of a ball from uh, from Juno, uh, Juno getting on the end of a set piece, uh, you know, a ricochet off a goalkeeper from a set piece from Baker, uh, Berger getting on the back post from a set piece. Like we, we in terms of his tactics, we, we, we're not looking like scoring because of him. We're looking at scoring in spite of him. And the way that he's setting us up at the back, making a full-backs cut inside, like I said earlier on on the, on the call, that's that's why we're conceding. Um, I mean, when he was at Plymouth, obviously, they had the, their sporting director there built a side with, you know, succession planning in mind. Um, and so by the time Schumacher came to sort of be coaching that side a lot of them a lot of those names were all together already they were already used to a style of playing and he essentially just had to get a tune out of them and you know add a little bit maybe a little bit more now and a couple of better players uh whereas he's coming into us now where he's trying to implement a style that he's that he's basically been using with what was already a settled squad uh, of League One players with maybe one or two names like Whitaker, who you know is is going to just put up with it because he knows he's going to get a bigger move further down the line. You know, we're we're not a good fit for him as we are, and that's a massive, massive concern. And if we go down under him, which I mean, Luke, let's be real, if he's still in charge and he still carries on with these tactics, we are going to go down. Um. Then you know may, maybe people would be happy that we're going to just get shot of you know the entire squad again, but I mean it's it's a massive massive worry that I think look, it, whether we whether we stay up or go down this whole team's going to have to change anyway next year they're clearly pro- I mean they've clearly either a we stay up and they've already proven they're not good enough so they need moving if we go down to League One I mean Berger will go John Hall will go. 
anyone above probably seven to ten grand a week will be gone. Um, so we'll see an entire new team anyway, I think, regardless of what happens, which, I mean, here we go again with another reset. Like Anyway, I'll come back to everyone in a sec. Just, uh, ben, I know you've joined us as well, mate, so thanks for that. Uh, I'm just going to go through some of these comments because, honestly, there's absolutely truckloads. And a lot of them are saying similar things to what everyone else has been saying. Um Never had an who says, uh, I honestly think it's too big of a job for Schumacher. I think a few people have said that now. Uh, Archie says, hear me out. We have some games versus teams around us. If we win, uh, then we can stay. Oh, I don't know. I thought Cardiff, I know they're not necessarily around us, but as far as teams who aren't really playing for very much, I think Cardiff are one of them. Um, I mean, Middlesbrough are another one. So <laughs> mm, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, Christoph says, put Fox and Jags into this squad and we have at least five more points now. It's not saying we should have kept them, but it does show how bad the recruitment uh, was that this is the case. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I'm not sure if Jags is about 55 now, any, uh, But Fox, yeah, I agree with that. I think Fox at least would have given us an option uh, in that, uh, that position. Arch says, the inverted fallback... Uh, I'm not going to use the language because it will get dropped. Uh, but inverted fullback um, is not very good. Uh, Shane says, uh, we played well with Schumacher initially. Brum away, Ipswich at home, Brighton at home, Rotherham away. So what's happened? Um, well, I can only imagine uh, what's actually happened. I don't know where it's all fallen apart. Uh, Sky Blue Hub says, Stoke are going down as they can't keep clean sheets and struggle to score goals, especially at home. Don't want Stoke to go down, but I feel the squad is a mess that constant man- managerial changes haven't helped. Agreed. Maybe it's a step back to move two forwards. It could well be the case. Uh, Connor Foster says, honestly, I've accepted the fact that we're down. I think a lot of people have, Connor. Um, and then O'Neill, Rowett, Jones, Neil and even Schumacher aren't bad managers. The issues at Stoke are a lot deeper than the manager. Too many players picking up a wage and not caring about what happens as they're believing in the summer to go and draw a new club or back to a parent club after a loan. Uh, Becky says, I genuinely don't see us bouncing back if we go down. We've seen this happen to so many clubs that fall from the Premier League just decline in the Championship until inevitably ending up in League One and struggling to get out. You're right. I think my dad was saying this earlier. You know, Charlton, Bolton, um, Christ, I mean, the, the list is big, right? But yeah, there's a lot of clubs that think going down um, is the way of, uh, you know, we, we'll go and win a game now. I mean, we thought that coming down from the Premier League, didn't we? Oh, great, we'll go and win a match. We blinking didn't. The only caveat for a lot of them clubs was it was financial mismanagement that yeah that put them down there a lot of the time. Wanted to, there were a lot of, I mean, whether you think the coats are good or bad owners, it, they had rogue owners, a lot of them, didn't they? You could say. Yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying there. Um, also, the last decent centre-back we had was Hoots. Historically, we've always been solid at the back, particularly between the sticks. Yeah, definitely. We haven't been there for the last four seasons. No, agreed. I think our goalkeeping outfit and defensive outfit have been, ugh, I mean, even mediocre. Is that a bit too kind? Uh, Chris Denham says, I don't think it's on Shuey. I've been given some tasks. Agreed, a sturdy defender probably gives us more stability and eliminates the soft goals. <laughs> some people don't want Steve Bruce. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, Lee says, you said we'd win on the pod Friday. I'm not quite sure who you're referring to. I know that we all eventually went for a, a win. I know mine was in jest because I'd already predicted a defeat, but uh, Dan and uh, Lucas had managed to pull that one round. So I'm going to be able to basically play devil's advocate where I predicted a win and a loss. So I can just choose whichever one suits my agenda. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. Um, Do you need any help getting them splinters out of your backside? 
I shouldn't Dan, because I, I gave you the list again before Blackburn uh, of, of every single game and every game we'd win or lose. I've been absolutely. Yeah. Bad. I, sh- I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have gone off it, and, and I'm going to stick to it now. Which means we ain't going to win until Huddersfield, and I'm going to stick to that regardless of how guests or you try and stir me into <laughs> into believing we're going to win a match. Um, there's, I'm trying to go through. I, I, there's honestly loads. I don't want to repeat anything that people have already said. Um, duh, duh, duh. one second, guys. Uh, so SCFC Ethan needs to keep Ennis, he'll be vital in League One. That's pretty much it, to be honest with you. Uh, so Ben Rowley, sorry, mate, you've been waiting a long time. Uh, did you go today, Ben, or have you uh, again, mate, watched, watched uh, from home? Oh, no, I, I managed to acquire myself. Um, my viewing today, I, I Stoke aren't taking any more pennies out of me for a while. I don't think. I just, um, I, I, to be honest, I've not been waiting very long because I've just been listening to what everybody's been saying, and um, you know, the blame's been laid at the players' door, at managers' doors, and not at the managers' door. Is it higher up? Um, and I, I just, I know that. For example, Dan says all the time, you know, we can't look back at the last six years and put it all on this group of players or this manager because they weren't here at the time. And I absolutely agree with that. Um, but the fans have had enough, haven't they, for the last six or seven years. It, it's been catastrophically poor. Um, I just I just want to put it to, I don't know, anyone really, just to, why is it that every manager that comes into this club, they come with an air in October, of, of optimism and almost arrogance to a point that, you know, I can be the one that can save Stoke City. Whether it's someone seasoned like Neil or someone like Schumacher who thinks, you know, he's only had one job in football properly and he thinks he can turn Stoke around. They're in here for about a month and then they lift open the bonnet of the car and they just recoil of what they see. There's something behind the scenes that managers think, oh my God, what what is going on at this club um and they demand changes every single one of them um i don't know whether they're sort of editing over each other's mistakes or if there's something really rotten that has not gone away so what is it why is it that managers are coming here and doing well at other teams come here they're dreadful they're aging as we've we made the point of um why is it that out of the hundred or so players we've signed i could probably count on one hand the amount of players that have improved since being here the others have either not had a career here at all or have got worse um even the players that you know the minute they get into the first team those who have come through the academy i'm thinking of players like tyrese and Josh Tymon, you know, people like that who who managed to break into the first team after impressing and then don't develop on further. Why is it that, what is it about the culture why progress is halted? And this is our problem. We can chuck all the money at the problem that we like. I cannot believe that John Coates says that FFP rules are the problem. I wouldn't want to waste another 20, 30 million on this absolute disaster i'd want to be spending my money properly first and i'm just exasperated well obviously the structure of the club you mentioned there um i mean it was people have mentioned it in part today and we'll mention it again because it's it's a relevant comment right people i mean like myself i think a director of football is probably needed 
or whichever title you put behind it. But basically, John should sign the checks and let the director of football, whoever it is, lead and take the flack. I think that's where it need, needs to be because we need a football man. We need someone who... I think John needs a rest as well, and the guy looks shot. Uh, so I think he needs to find someone who knows football and put that in that structure in place. I thought that's what we were getting with Ricky. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But clearly, he completely and utterly failed. Do you still think that that kind of like director of football, technical director, whatever you want to call it, is that still the way for you, or not? Oh, it's what everybody else does. So I, I think it, that's seen as the modern approach, isn't it? You know, there's so much to control in football now with the introduction of data and sports science and whatever that can simply, they can't do it all, right? Um, so they need someone above them to control everything from a higher level and let other people do specific work. The trouble is Alex Neal brought in a puppet, didn't he, really? He, he brought in someone in in, in his ilk, who almost like a like a clone you know what i mean i think i said in my blog that i put out this morning you know ricky martin was alex neil with hair suit and a laptop and nothing more and there's a reason why he's now gone two months later after martin leaving uh, after neil leaving because they are one of the same in what other industry do you hire your own boss and we've been doing that for a long time o'neill essentially hired his um, I, I, we need to go back to square one no matter what league we're in next season because let's face it nothing's changed until next season anyway we've we just got to cross fingers and accept our fate um, next season we've got to bring in a, a director of football they don't have to necessarily be the best in the business because hell when we bring in the best in the business they fail anyway um, it's got to be someone that is going to work for us as a football club with our resource um, you know, our strength is obviously our financial resource, but our weaknesses as well, whether that is culture, whether it's confidence, um, whether it's experience, you know, a, a lack of good decision making by the owner, I think on a footballing level is, it's, you know, we need someone to be able to analyze Stoke as a club and know what's best for us rather than apply a principle that's been used elsewhere and think it'll work because it hasn't, has it? Um, so yeah, I think the model works. <laughs> works everywhere else. Works at the most, you know, overachieving clubs at the moment. Um, but not the way that we've been implementing it. It's almost like we've we've sort of read a Chinese instruction book on how to do football, and we just applied it completely wrong. You're not the first person to say that I think money might be might be part of the problem. I heard that a few a few times the other week, where you know people are just seeing us as a as a meal ticket. You know, we can go and get ourselves a nice decent wage at Stoke, you know, three, four year deal. If I don't make it, who cares? Because I'm going to get a nice big payoff. And if, you know, if we go down, then someone else will come sign me anyway. And you know, a lot of people saying that that's probably the problem. We don't, we, we're not trying to sign players who want to play for us. We're signing people who just want an easy wage. So it, I think it's probably, I'm sure that is the case for some of them. I think it'd be naive to think that some of them don't look like that. Um, but yeah, look, I think the whole director of football situation, hundred percent, it cannot be anyone related to the manager in any capacity. I mean, I know the Plymouth like director of football, whatever was mentioned. I don't think he's coming for a second, to be honest. But again, no, because every time we change a manager, and sure we will be changed eventually, whether it's now, whether it's in a year or 10 years, he will go. And then what happens? Director of football goes with him and we start again. 
with a different structure, different mentality, everything. So, no, that time has come and gone. So, um, straight up, I think you've got something to say as well. So, we brought in Simon King to do the commercial stuff. We brought in Alex Morris to basically create a pathway from the academy into the first team. We brought in Jared Dublin to look after the scouting setup. For me, I wouldn't mess with any of them. I think the main problem has been the technical director, the one knitting it all together with the coach. Uh, I mean, if you look at any any other club, uh, like as Ben was saying, you know, they all do the same thing. You look at you look at Brentford, Brighton. They're all the the idea is that you you find these uncut gems, you polish them up, and you sell them on for a profit, and you become more of a sustainable club instead of you know constantly having to rely on sort of Premier League off uh, you know outcasts and offcuts and all the rest of it on the on the way out of the career. Uh, I mean, obviously, you need you need a few experienced heads in there as well. Um, but for the most part, I think behind the scenes, they did do an all right job with uh, with the restructuring. It's the main, I mean, the problem has been John Coates has taken a back seat and the guy he's trusted to basically manage all this and, you know, prioritise building the squad, bringing in the next manager, uh, you know, deciding which of these players that have been scouted we actually sign he's just completely got that he couldn't have got it much more wrong um i mean if if this was like say denise coach you know if this was bet365 bet you know you'd bring in a consultant you'd scour the air for the best technical director that you could afford the best um you know director of football what, whatever you want to call them uh somebody who's going to look at what we've got and be like yeah i can wait with that yeah that needs improving yeah we can get rid of them yeah i know someone we can bring in who's going to be better at this that and the other you know and i mean obviously it's well documented that i mean i wouldn't say neil hired his own boss you know what i mean but he kind of, you know, like as Rob Adcock was saying earlier, you know, he put the name forward and John Coach just went, yeah, let's go with him. John's never going to go against his, his manager who's just appointed, though, is he? It's, it's, exactly. as you That's the thing with that, isn't it? You can say that he didn't hire him, but if the manager says, oh, I, my pick would be this guy, and then you go, oh, yeah, Brill, okay, nah, I'm going to hire him. Then what does the manager then think? Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Ian, come back here, mate. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean with the the with with the board and directors and stuff. Because the problem is, John was brought up because I, I truly think Peter bought the club back, like he helped Denise out with Pinnacle betting and giving her the money to create Bet Three Six Five. He did the same with John, but unfortunately for John, FFP came in, which is what he wasn't trained to deal with. And the problem is they didn't bring anybody in as a director of football. And I think he's been terrified of that because we all know from the past that John didn't get on well with John Rudge, which is why he left the club. And the problem is we've not sort of gone back into that. We trusted Scholes too long. And Scholes was good at the beginning, but obviously when FFP came in and we couldn't throw money at it, it started changing. But the thing is, we have spotted good players in the past. Like, we go back to, like, the Michael O'Neill era, and God, I'd love him back. <laughs> I'll say that now. 
But the thing is with Michael O'Neill, we did spot good players. The problem is the club made wrong decisions on who they loaned in and who they spent the money on. Like Jack Clark, we could have got him for $1.8 But we decided because he didn't quite suit Michael O'Neill, we decided, no, we'll let him go Sunderland. The players like Jacob Brown's good. Thompson's OK as a squad player. A player that, let's be honest, Alex Neal couldn't wait to get rid of. Dowerty, who now Man United are talking about 30, 40 million to try sign. We have been linked and had good players on the books. Philogene Badace, there's, there's plenty there. That, that, but we had them on loan and we had them when they weren't ready. Look at Simmy, who was on fire at Rangers. Look at Rabbi Matondo, another one. That if we'd made them permanent signings after the loan, which I was calling for on the pod, going, we should give Matondo a deal. We've let them go. They've settled because they weren't on loan and they've gone on to be good players. And the problem is we've gone for these flash players like Sam... Oh, Sam Vokes was brilliant years ago in the Championship. We'll get him in. Now we've looked at a different market and we've gone, oh, we'll go abroad and we'll bring all these players in who are doing well all over the place. But we haven't looked at what their attitudes are like. Because some foreign players, when they come into a league like Stoke, they think, well, I'm a big fish here. And then they realise they're not a big fish. They're just not good enough. What Stoke have got to do, they've got to put down an identity. They've got to make sure an identity comes in. You've got to bring a director of football to go with that identity. And then you bring all the people around it, your technical directors, your systems, management, your analytics. You put all that in place. But the problem is, since we sacked Mark Hughes, we've not known an identity. The only time we've had a short period of better was Michael O'Neill, and we sacked him for, a, let's be honest, a clown in Alex Neal, a man who we didn't want in the first place. I don't understand why uh, Alex Neal wanted him. Uh, Alex Neal, John Coates liked him so much because he tried getting twice and he turned us down. The fact that it's got to change at Stoke is that John's going to have to step back because at the moment he's under fire. I, I mean, I listened to uh, Radio Stoke today and he was un he's under fire, John John Coates. And what we don't want is the Coates family to go because I, I do think that they're good owners. I just don't think they know what they're doing. And the problem is they haven't got that in-between to fix the problem. And the problem is, if he doesn't get it fixed soon enough, he's, he's going to be hounded out. And then we don't know what we're going to get next. We could get a good one. We could get we could get the bloke that ran Derby, you know, somebody who's got a bit of money but hasn't got it for the long-term future. So what John has got to do, he's got to sit there and go, right. I mean, personally, I'd love him to just go, Denise, sort it out for next season, and then I'll run it properly from that point. I think the thing with obviously Denise though, she doesn't give a crap about this club. I don't think, mate. She cares about Bet three six five, and you know what? If I'm Denise, I'd care about Bet three six five as well. That's what she's put all her time and effort into. So I, I don't really mind too much about like Denise's side at all. Um, I let her stick with what she actually enjoys. And again, I don't think she cares. Peter, you know, look as great as he has been for the club. He's clearly not the man in charge anymore. I'm sure, you know, John speaks to his dad and asks for advice and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously Peter probably doesn't want anything to do with this really anymore. And, you know, fair play. He's an elder man now. But funny you mentioned about Michael O'Neill. We've had a number of comments come in about that, just saying that we'll never know what Michael O'Neill would have done with the transfer chest to play with. Because ironically, 
he had to really you know get by with next to no money and you know, the one time we can actually spend it he wasn't here to to actually use any of the money you know i think he had the short straw in a way um and i think tommy's said as well a separate thing he says is the problem that we're lacking a real spine players players who love the badge people who know the legends and play for this club and want to replicate their standards the banks the bojan the walters wheel and type players who love the working class people it makes me wonder whether then people even believe they exist anymore tommy if i'm honest um i i, I don't know if i'm honest with you i, I really couldn't say um, a few more comments we've added as well. Uh, so Nigel says, I mean, anyone can answer this one. If we were to release Schumacher from his job, would you think we should ask Galli to take the job on to make us harder to beat in the hope that we can win at least three games? That came up earlier on as well around um, around that in terms of you know Galli and you know maybe someone like Shawcross or Walters to go alongside. Uh, I mean, Connor, your hand went up first, mate. I'll, I'll come to you. First of all, I just think that... I think we need to keep Schumacher regardless of what happens because I I th- I've like I said I've accepted the fact that I think we're down and everyone's saying that oh Schumacher's not got the experience he's a League One manager well I think we're going to be in League One next year anyway so might as well stick with him and see what happens obviously I know there's been bits that hasn't been great but there are also bits that Schumacher's done that I quite like. Like, I know they probably won't stick around, but I really like that front three of Junho, Ennis, and Manhoof. I think that's a really nice front three. Um, and to be honest, like, I don't think it's really that much of Schumacher's fault. I think it's more higher up, and obviously I don't know. None of us really know what's going on up the top. So I, I think it's safer to just stick with Schumacher and see what happens, regardless of the outcome. To be honest, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I I think regards to what happens, he stays for me. I think he's at least proven you know, in League One that he can get a club out of there. So yeah, I, exactly. I agree. I I don't think we, we've we've got to stop doing this. We really have. Yeah, we've uh, become a Watford. I mean, we're very very bloody close, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I know, but like, ugh. yeah, we we need to avoid that. We, Again, we've talked about structure. I think that's where it's wrong, not necessarily managers. Uh, straight up, I think you had your hand up, mate. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, if he takes us down and you like that front three, there's no way in a million years that's the front three in League One. If you think Juno and uh, Million Man are uh, going to be playing on the playing on the either side of a three in League One, I mean, that's that's not going to happen. I mean, the point the point I was just going to jump on was um, in terms of players playing for the badge, this, that, and the other. I mean, I think it's a little bit naive to think that Glenn Whelan was uh, was a Stoke fan before he came here and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, I don't think Kevin De Bruyne is a Man City fan. Uh, in terms of playing for the badge and that, I think, I think all that's overrated, to be honest with you. I think if you're a good coach, uh, you've got experience, you can get buy-in from these players. At, at the end of the day, they're, in, they're employees. As much as we like to think that they'll run run their asses off for the badge and this, that and the other, and they, it's all about the fans and that. At the end of the day, these are professional athletes and you get a professional coaching that can deal with these big egos and personalities. No, 100%, I, I agree with you. Um, Dan, you've not spoken very much, which is quite worrying because I normally can't shut you up. So um, <laughs> have you got anything else to add? I've, I've got one more question I want to ask everybody, but 
Anything from you, mate? No, to be fair, sometimes on these Twitter spaces, um, we feel we come off and feel like we maybe spoke too much and we like yeah. um, would like maybe more input. So it's just been lovely to have so many people wanting to maybe on offload or get stuff off the chest. And if you want to use it as a therapy session or whatever, then feel free. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm quite happy to sit and listen. I'm sure people hear enough of me. <laughs> when they listen to podcasts and when they've listened to these previous um yeah i mean if there's anything i do if anything comes in i think oh yeah i could big comment on that i will come in but yeah i'm, I'm just enjoying listening to it, all our uh, listeners views for the minute I, what i want to kind of understand from from all of you i guess really now we've talked about the upcoming fixtures we know what situation we're in right we've we've got middlesbrough at home uh next saturday I mean, yeah, I, I, basically I want to just try and see where you all think we're going to get the next win from, right? Um, so I'm going to go through this in the list and the exact same principle that I, I said before. Stoke Middlesbrough will lose. Leeds Stoke will lose. Preston uh, away will lose. They seem to be, I don't know how they beat Coventry 3-0 at their place. That was ridiculous. Um, Norwich, again, I think we'll lose there. Hull, I mean, I've, I watched them today. Um, they're a really slick team. Uh, we, we ain't beating them either. So Huddersfield. Now this is one that I had down as as being our win. Uh, the last time that you know I said we we basically win a game uh, was the QPR game, and I didn't say we'd win one to Huddersfield. I'm now in the camp of do we even beat Huddersfield because they have shown they've got goals in them. They've got a backbone. They can fight. I'm a little bit concerned now that I can't even turn around to Huddersfield and say it's it's a likely win. And then it gets much easier, by the way, guys, because you've only got West Brom next, um, which, well, again, it goes on. And then Swansea, then Sheffield Wednesday, then Plymouth. Now, I'm sure Plymouth are going to come here with every intention to spoil that party. Well, what party is there? Not actually, quite frankly. But from that list, I just love to – I mean, there's a lot of teams there, right? Can anyone who's – I mean, any of the speakers now, where, where do you see in that list – were you comfortable that we would win that next game? Sorry, I know I said I didn't have much to say, but I do now. <laughs> <laughs> the way this team is, right, if they score the first goal against anyone in this league, they can win the game. They've proven that. It's stupid. Look at the real the idea later on in the season. If they, get the, if they score that first goal, that is the key because they cannot come from behind. They've done it, what, once at Bristol City and, you know, what they say... You know, broken clocks right twice a day and all that business. You know, these fluky results happen, don't they? Um, Not against Leeds, then. But even that, just if they go one in front, it's just a totally different, just suit, just seems to suit them so more. And the thing is, we haven't been switched on from the first minute nowhere near enough in recent matches, and that's why we've suffered as much as we have. So that's what they need to do. They need to get their heads sorted. They need to get their heads switched on. They need to be on it from the first whistle and make sure they're solid and to, you know and get themselves in front. And it's easier said than done, I understand all that. But, you know, when they do that, they're a match. You know, I think they can give, you know, they can go out there, because like I say, it's a completely different match then, different, completely different game. Um, but when they go behind, they, they, they could lose it over to Rotherham if they went 1-0 down. Well, we did last season. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with you, but I know you're Mr Positivity. I get that. So um, you're the... Uh... The yin to my yang, if you like, on the podcast, I suppose. Um, I have to drag you out of drag you out of the pit of doom at two o'clock, don't I, when the team comes out? 
Uh, yeah, but also the trying to turn me around on podcasts for me to change my decisions, and I'm, I'm just going to stick to my convictions anymore. I'm not going to be bullied anymore. Um, anyway, I'm going to come to each of you. Paul, we've been on for an hour and 20 minutes, which is at least 20 minutes more than I thought we were going to. So uh, straight up, start with you. Do we stay up or do we go down? My main concern at the minute is that if we persist with these tactics and we keep messing about changing five, six players a game, the only game I see us getting anything out of out of them ones that you listed is the Sheffield Wednesday game. And I don't, I, you know, one point or three points out of what, how many, how many games is the 12 games or whatever, that, that ain't going to be enough to stay up. I mean, you say Sheffield Wednesday, though, but even they're turning it round a bit. Like, well, the, yeah, exactly. Under Danny Roll, they haven't been too bad. The, the only thing is, I don't, I don't see that. I mean, from what I've not seen a massive amount of them, but from what I've seen, they do tend to go through the middle of the park. Where I mean, today our midfield again was very, very stodgy. You know, Kundal and Berger tripping over each other, like we fullbacks cutting inside. Like you know, the middle of the park was just a, an absolute shambles um but you know again if they're gonna if they're gonna be playing relatively narrow then you know we've probably got enough there to sort of stop them from doing too much damage to us but i mean flipping out that whole game hull, hull are gonna smash us a bit like with philogene and you know they're wide players i mean they they we cut in with our fullbacks they get on on you know get a march on they're, they're gonna absolutely tear us apart they are you know it could be a bloody cricket score that could uh yeah i, I, I think we're, we're in a real real sad state at the minute I think if we get to Sheffield Wednesday and that's the next time we win, um, well, we'll be done. You know, I love a good stat. I'm talking there about you know going through the middle of the pitch and the wide areas being killed. Like, basically, that's where we're going to suffer now. I saw the other day that Stoke have put more crosses in this season than any other team in the league and the team that put the least amount of Plymouth. So when you're earlier on, we're on about managers and going from one manager who, like, who plays one kind of tactics and then the complete other end of the scale, the proof's in that stat right there, isn't it? Because obviously we haven't put as many crosses in since Stephen Schumacher's come in. So yeah, we were well away at the top of that when Alex Neal there, you know, play with Whitskate out wide, get balls in the box. And then all of a sudden, the same group of players who are expected to play a narrow game where it's all compact and the... The, you know, the move the ball quickly in, in tight spaces with you know, like I say, everybody's sort of a, it, it contained a bit. Um, again, so you're asking the same group of players we've recruited for one style. Oh, hang on, you've now all got to go play this style. Yeah, so uh, Connor, I'll come to you next, mate. Just to find, we need to wrap this up. So sorry if anyone else is requesting. We'll we're going to wrap it up now. But Connor, do we do you see where where's the next win coming from? Firstly, and secondly, do you think we'll stay up? I have no idea where the next one's going to come from, uh, let alone the next point. I have no idea. I can't see, with how we've been playing, I can't see it anywhere. Um, obviously, beforehand, we would maybe say, like, the Shaft of the Wednesday or the Huddersfield, but they've all, they've picked up and they look like like a footballing team. Like, they look like they can actually get a result here and there. We don't. Uh, I think we are going to get relegated. I don't see us staying up now. And we're just talking about the whole game quickly. Uh, my friend is a whole fan and he's bought me a ticket to sit in the away end with him 
and I'm not looking forward to that because I'm going to be in the away end when we get battered in, in the home end sorry with the whole fans so that's going to be awful <laughs> but yeah I think we're done for this season at least you won't have to worry about jumping up when we score <laughs> yeah I was in I was in when we, when we beat them 2-0 when DiMaggio like actually showed he was a footballer like when we won and Brown scored I had to like sit down and stay quiet and that wasn't fun but <laughs> yeah so. instead you're going to have to do that standing up and uh, fake cheering when Hull yeah. Yeah. got the complete yeah. opposite which is unfortunate yeah, yeah. so that's going to be fun when we lose like 4-0 <laughs> you'll, you'll get your steps in don't you worry yeah um, true uh, yeah okay fine so not staying up no problem uh, Ian just finally come to you, mate. Uh, are we? When's the next win, and do we stay up or go down? Can't believe the negativity. What's going on? <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I think it all depends on Schumacher and the situation of Schumacher because he can't consist with this way of playing. I mean, to be honest, with the way we play, we'd, we'd, I can't see. I can't honestly see the next time we'll win. But I don't know why. I've just got this feeling on Leeds. We we always do something against Leeds, and I've got, I've just got this sneaky feeling we'll beat them. I, I don't know where it's coming from. I, I think I might be slightly insane. I don't drink, so I might have had too much water. But I've I've got a I've got a feeling we'll do there in Huddersfield. I, I think by the time it gets to Huddersfield, it's either win or win or go down. In it really, I mean it's going to be a difficult end to the season because we can't defend and we can't score. And it's basically come in since Schumacher came in. So if he goes, and maybe we take a gamble. Because, I mean, you've all decided your fate. So is it worth maybe firing to bring somebody else in? Maybe just to have that bit of hope. I know it's an, an aimless hope, but I don't know with Schumacher. He could be a few draws in there, but but you never know Leeds. Let's go with Leeds. Oh man, I think imagine the confidence that one will give. I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think we'll get a win against Leeds, but mate, I, I really, really hope you're right. I really do. That would be, um, that'd be pretty incredible. I, personally, I think we're going to lose five 0 against Leeds. I'm joking. I'm not going to go that bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, my my one then. I'm going, Dan. I'm going to let you have the last word actually. Um, but my prediction here, I'm going to stick with it. We'll beat Huddersfield. That'll be the next point we get. Um. And I do think we're down because I think after that, it probably is Sheffield Wednesday. And by that time, I think we're well marooned at the bottom three. So, yeah, I'm going to go, unfortunately, going down. And I bloody hope they prove me wrong. I really do. And I'm sure everybody on here does. So, Dan, have the last words. Next point and ne- and do we stay up? And I know what I think you're going to say yes to stay up because that's just you. But go on. Yeah, I think we'll stay up. And uh, yeah, I think we'll beat Middlesbrough next weekend. So, hey, ho, ha. <laughs> oh, no. Have you been drinking as well? Oh well, never mind. I don't drink <laughs> no, there's something going on. Um, right, okay. Well, Luke, everyone, thanks very much for joining us. I can't believe we've done this for an hour and a half. Uh, you're all absolutely insane from speaking to us for that long, and uh, I think we've all had enough of Stoke City for uh, for one time. So, uh, yeah, okay, we'll be back normal time on the on the pod next Friday. Uh, we appreciate everyone. Enjoy the rest of the evenings and the rest of the weekends. Don't let Stoke spoil it. There's more important things to, to worry about, family, etc. So, uh, Luke, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport, powered by fans.